You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Now, my next guest this evening hails from County Longford. Martina Burns, along with her husband David, founded Richmond Cordial about 10 years ago and the business has gone from strength to strength. Let's find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Martina, great to see you again. We met last week in the Nall at the Seamus Ennis Centre. You were part of the audience that was there to take part in the Blossnare and Backyard event. So one of the things we talked about last week was about seizing opportunities. So whenever I contacted you to say any chance you'd do an interview with me, you couldn't really say no, sure you couldn't. <laughs> That's true. That was a wonderful day in um, in the Knoll. And thanks to, to Blossom Heron and Fallon and Artie and all of that for organising it. And the speakers, I thought, were just really really wonderful now you know sometimes you go to these events and you might be a bit disappointed but I thought that was a really worthwhile event and I I learned loads and it's a matter of just um implementing all the ideas now but um yeah so you talked about seizing opportunities and here we are (laughs) one of the other topics on the day was about storytelling so you are part of Richmond Cordial which is based in Longford. But I want to find out a bit about Martina pre the business and pre meeting David, your husband, or you're both from Longford. Yes, yeah. I grew up, um, we say the far side of Ballymahan. And uh, like when I was growing up, we had a farm and uh, we had the very traditional old style, real Irish pub and grocery shop at the crossroads that that's where I grew up and uh, when I was very young um my grandfather lived with us he was a widower and my earliest food memories would be of him uh digging the garden and growing the vegetables and uh it was funny like when he would he'd till and he'd sow and he had a little box and he'd sit on the box and smoke the pipe and just kind of regard just what he had done and I suppose just watch the progress of the seeds and that's one of my earliest food memories and then I remember my mother was a baker and like she well not a professional baker she she baked for the the house but she never had a cookbook you know the cookbook came out at Christmas for the Christmas cake but apart from that, you know, everything was kind of by feel or by look or by touch or by taste or whatever. So um, very, very plain and simple diet. Uh, you know, uh, like when I was growing up, there was very few imported foods. Everything was local or Irish or you grew it yourself. And I don't remember things like cucumbers or avocados or even grapes were a huge novelty when I was growing up. You know, so I suppose as a country, we were very um, self-sufficient. You know, there wasn't the same imported foods. Um, David grew up here in Richmond and um, his father was a, a, a cattle dealer and he, he had beef cattle and so David grew up very much um, you know with the animals and he, you know he had his own little pet calf and his pet cows and that kind of thing so when he grew up he started dairying 
and uh, he built up quite a substantial dairy herd you know at the time it would be very small now but um it wasn't feasible for him to expand the herd because he hadn't enough land here around the house he had land away from the house but that wouldn't have worked so uh, he wanted to diversify and we came up with this idea of elderflower cordial well, before we get into all of that, where did you and David meet? You came from a farm, he came from a farm. Was it just that social farm life that, that's there? Did you always know each other? No, not exactly. I, uh, I trained as a teacher and I was actually working in the local school and David used to drop down his uh, nieces and nephews <laughs> to, to the school gate and we'd, you know, just exchange a wave. But both of us uh, were into beekeeping, right? And um, somebody rang me in school one day and said that they had bees in their uh, attic and would I remove the bees? And I said, no, but I know someone who will. <laughs> and I rang David and I said, David, will you look after these bees? And um, I can't remember whether he did or didn't, but he invited me to some beekeeping event that was happening the following week or whatever. And the rest is history. <laughs> you just light up when you're talking about it, Martina. And like, I did not know this story before we started to talk about it and before you shared it there. But I did. I just knew that there was a really romantic love story there. So I think like a, a farmer and a teacher are a great partnership. So so they are so you, you obviously got married and at what point did you decide that the dairy farming was something that you wanted to move away from it was just the way dairy farming was going you needed to keep expanding what you could produce and expanding the herd and that kind of thing and David just he he kind of ran out of road in that he only had so many acres around the house and it wasn't going to sustain a bigger herd of cows. So he just knew the writing was on the wall for him, you know, because there was economic pressures to produce it more economically and to grow, you know, you had to grow the herd to do that. And he just wasn't in a position to do that. So he just got up one morning and said, it's, it's done, I'm finished dairying. And he sold off all the cows and so that he could never change his mind he filled in you you know in the dairy parlor there's the pit that the farmer stands down in. he filled that with stones and concrete so there was no going back you know it was very very final so he started contracting then and he was plowing and sowing maize he bought a maize sower and somebody gave him some sweet corn seeds and he started sowing sweet corn and uh, he was selling that at the farmers markets in Dunleary and Leopardstown and Marley Park. And it was hard because he, you know, he would be up at the crack of dawn um, uh, packing the van to, to go to, to these places. And he started supplying some restaurants then. He was supplying Chapter One and a restaurant there in Kildare Street and Forest Avenue and Viewmount here locally. Um, Gary O'Hanlon was in Viewmount at the time. He, he won a, a Eurotalk award for that. So he gave Gary a few bottles of Elderflower Cordial just as a thank you gift. And I think he gave some to Ross Lewis as well. And both of them were very impressed. Gary just said, you know, you can bring me in 30 bottles of that. And we're sort of saying, 
pot, you know. So we began to think about elderflower cordial production. So tell me then, this elderflower cordial, had you just made this at home in the kitchen? Yeah, yeah. And and you'd foraged the elderberries to make it. Yeah, I had been making elderflower cordial just for our own use. And I literally used to make uh, about 10 litres of it. And that was maybe about 20 bottles. And the reason I started making it was because when you when you go to the, to the shops and start looking at cordials, there were a lot of kind of artificial ingredients that I was trying to avoid. So for that reason, I was making it for myself. And it's a delicious drink anyway. And it's very fresh and very floral and very refreshing. So we were making it and we have trees on our own land. Like I think every field in Ireland has an elder tree or a boar tree, as they're called. In May, June, the elder trees produce the blossoms. And that's the big white flower that everybody is familiar with. And then in kind of September, October, the, those flowers uh, turn to fruit. So they turn to the, the real purple, dark purple, rich elderberry. So you have your, your, your light floral taste in summer, and then you have this rich, robust flavor in of the elderberries in autumn. So you have very much a summer flavor and an autumn flavor. So by winning the, the Eurotalk Award and just gifting a couple of bottles to the likes of Roth, Lewis and, and Gary, you were inspired to start the business, to start Richmond Cordial. Yes. I remember David came in to me one very hot day and kind of something had happened on the farm. I think a calf had died or something like that. And he just came in to me and um, he said, I need to diversify. And I said, oh, look, maybe we'll go to elderflower cordial production as a joke. And you could see just the light bulb going off in his head. And I'm saying, God, he's not taking me seriously, is he? And when we began to think about it and we began to go around the shops and look out for elderflower cordial and it was all imported. And we were saying, right, OK, so there isn't an Irish elderflower cordial. And yet uh, elder trees are a native tree. They're very weather resistant and, and they're hardy trees. Like they, they survive the, the frost and the snow and everything like that. And then we went to uh, we went to the LEO and they got us some mentoring and we approached Board Bia and their, you know, their library of statistics and all of that. And um, the, the, what they showed was that it was kind of after the 2008 recession, people were actually buying more cordial because it was a more economical option. So cordials had actually were experienced a resurgence because of the recession and because it was, as I say, more economical. So um, we started to put two and two together and say, maybe, maybe we'll go with this. So we started off in 2012 and we planted 900 trees. Were you teaching all throughout this or had you given up the teaching at this stage? I had retired from teaching. There were other things I wanted to do. 
And it was not elderflower cordial production, I guarantee you that. It was kind of um, more in the, the line of education. And uh, when I when I did retire, I did work for some of the, of the publishing companies for a while. And I was working from home and I thought that was really exciting. You know, it was great. We were I was working for a company in Canada that were producing a book, I think, for Saudi Arabia. So little me and Carrick Boy in Richmond suddenly being this centre of this global uh, publication industry was was very exciting. But then, like, David's mum was getting ill at the time as well. And so I was uh, available to kind of mind her as well. So none of it really involved Elderflower Cordial production, but things don't always work out as you plan. But I'd say your teaching skills, like even to have the common sense to do the bit of research, to go out into shops to see if there was similar product there. Like a lot of people don't think to do that. So, it, and, and then the education piece about educating people about cordial and natural cordials, like it, it's just amazing what you were saying there about the elder trees and how ubiquitous they are in Ireland, but people aren't using the fruits or the flowers of them to make their own cordials so yeah you first went out to that wider market what was the reaction from the public i remember going into our leo the first time and i said i we want we're thinking of making elderflower cordial and the poor girl looked at me she didn't know what elderflower was and people didn't know really what a cordial was they just think of certain brands as being a cordial but and, you know, she was looking at me saying, who is this man, woman, right? But people definitely embraced it, I think, as an Irish product, as something that was kind of naturally foraged and that we were growing naturally. Because even though we planted 900 trees at the start, it took them four or five years to actually be commercially viable. So we were picking uh, in local fields and on, on neighbours' farms with their permission. And so, like, all the, the neighbours were very supportive of us as well, that see us going up the trees, getting all these um, the elderflowers. I'm sure they, they thought we were stone mad, but, and we probably were, but uh, in hindsight. Um, but, yeah, and, like, the shops were extremely supportive. Like, they all said, bring it in bring it in and if it sells we will buy more but the very fact that it was an Irish product and kind of they saw it as natural something new yeah they um very supportive and it, it sold very well like the first I think we the first year we sold out in about 10 weeks um or we sold out in a few weeks and we just did a few thousand bottles but it just kind of walked off the shelves is it quite labour intensive at certain times of the year? So when, when the trees are in flower, all that picking has to be done within a certain time frame. Then you maybe have a bit of a lull and then you get you have to pick the berries then. Uh, that's exactly the way it works. So as I said, the trees blossom at the end of May, June, maybe a little bit into July. And that is just our hectic season. And for that few weeks we employ about 10 people and they're all you know we're very lucky it's just the local kids that are off school come in and pick the flowers for us and then we'd have people helping with actually making it and bottling it and capping it and pasteurizing it and labeling it and all of that 
And then we do have the lull and then we have another busy season for kind of September, October when the berries come into season. So whatever, whatever flowers aren't picked, they turn into berries. Now, our biggest seller would be our elderflower cordial. So we, we pick most of the flowers and then whatever is left over, we leave it for our berries. A couple of hectic seasons. And then, as you say, there's a lull. That's when we're we're boxing it and labeling it and selling it and delivering it. And David does a lot of the deliveries himself. He's he's great. I think for somebody who was a dairy farmer and that was very it was kind of a solitary job. Uh, he has really embraced this thing of going out and uh, having a bit of banter with the, the stockists and you know just building up the relationship and having the the, the personal contact with our stockers. And you mentioned about the two of us coming from different backgrounds. Both of us bring very different skill sets to the company. Like I would be used to record keeping and uh, all of that. So I did all the training. I did the diploma in speciality food production in UCC, which was wonderful. So I do, we'll say all the, the batch records, I do the, the the hygiene records, I do the accounts, I do the website, I try to do the social media, which I'm abysmally bad at. But David is much more hands-on. David has, he if we're buying a piece of equipment, David will research all the options of that piece of equipment and whether it's two-phase or three-phase and all of these things that I know nothing about. And um, so he'll do all of that and he maintains all the equipment. So no matter what breaks, David can fix it. So we have two very different skill sets, very complementary skill sets. Like I couldn't manage without him and he couldn't manage without me. He wouldn't know where to start with sending out a statement or <laughs> writing up the invoice book, you know, or downloading a, a bank statement. So we do have very different skill sets, but as you said, very complementary. And whenever you had the idea and, you know, you, you had the the ingredients, they're all natural ingredients, in terms of sourcing bottles, equipment to bottle, cap, labeling, branding, like there must have been a lot of work that went into that because I'm all about the packaging and the branding and the logos and things. And it, it's very high end. It's very premium product looking. It was just a very, very kind of steep learning curve for us. And you're investing so much into a logo and a look because it's going to have to last for so long. So that that was that was very much a steep learning curve for us. Um, with the bottles and the caps and all of that, we, we just bought them in small amounts initially, which meant they were very expensive because you were buying small amounts. But uh, just as the business grew, we could order in bigger amounts and that brings down the unit cost. So um, yeah, that, that's how, how that worked. Well, it's a very exciting journey that you, you've been on. What is next for the business, Martina? We have uh, another product in the pipeline. It's taking it so long to get across the line. Uh, so I won't mention it because I probably just put a jinx on it. But uh, yeah, we have a few more ideas for other products. So because a lot of the time our factory is idle. 
So we do need these other products to, to just fill those gaps. We were doing a little bit of work for other companies, but we found that we were just taking our eye off the ball with our own company. So we're just concentrating on our own company now and just trying to get a few more products online. Well, look, for anybody that wants to source the products, and may may I just add that one of my favourite ways to use elder flora cordial is in Prosecco. I just love the, those two and um, go so well together, and especially as we move into summer. So for anybody that's listening that wants to, to find the product, where are they available from? Okay, well, in Limerick, it's in uh, Eats of Eden, our urban co-op. And uh, in Newcastle West, we're in Sonus Health Foods. And then we're almost nationwide, uh, mostly in independent stores. So we're in, uh, we'll say, Nolan's in, in Clintarf. We're in Ardkeen. We'd be in Avoca and Butler's Pantry, uh, McCambridge's in Galway, Kate's Kitchen in Sligo. So any of those kind of um, foodie shops. Uh, and the thing about our cordial as well, uh, Sharon, is it's it can be quite versatile in, you know, you can just drink it with some sparkling water. Uh, we have people who add the elderflower just to hot water and drink it like a tea. Uh, uh, it can be used in baking and, and cocktails. So it, it has a lot of different uses, like we're selling it to some of the hotels for, for their cocktails. And the other thing is there's this trend where um, we say a lot of the young people aren't drinking alcohol or they're not drinking alcohol all the time. And you'd notice on Twitter or Instagram, you know, about sober curious or sober is the new cool. So we feel our drink, it's um, it's it's a, a soft drink for adults. So it's kind of for family occasions where alcohol doesn't need to be front and centre. Like, I'm not saying don't drink because David and I both drink and we both enjoy a drink, but there are times when you need another option and maybe whether it's the designated driver or the expectant mother or just when, when somebody's taking a break from alcohol, you know. So we feel that is our target market and that's that's where our product is situated. So, um, yeah, as I say, it's versatile and um, it's just the non-alcoholic option as well. Fantastic. Well, listen, Martina, great to hear all about it today. And I'm looking forward to, to having some in those nice summer days whenever they, they finally arrive. And our website is richmondcordials.ie and we're on Instagram and Facebook and we're on Twitter. Great to talk to you, Martina. Thanks a million. And thank you, Sharon. It was really enjoyable. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.